The book we're reviewing today is Into the Wild. Last month after I did Moby Dick. Huh, which means I guess I've been here for a month. Again, Timmy time, fucking useful, it's actually, it's like a measurement of time to me. I'm like, how many Timmy times ago was that? Uh, but the last book report, I just gotten here to the Colorado house. Now I feel settled in, as you can see, the lighting is much more on point. Besides the point, though, I said that I was going to sit, do, okay, let's back up there. That was a jumble. That was a bunch of words, that was sentences, and then they just plunk, together. They gotta go, but they just plunk. So, last month, I did Moby Dick. It was a good read. It was a fantastic read. After I finished it, I said that this month's book report would be Fight Club, which I would like to get around to. I would absolutely love to. Buy no book it. Literally don't even have money to buy a book right now. <laughs> as absurd as this sounds. This is actually very real. <laughs> but right after I recorded that Timmy time, or maybe it was right before. I don't want to exaggerate. I think it was the night before I met someone. And on their shelf, I noticed a little gem. They had a book called Into the wild and this got me ecstatic because i didn't even know it was a book i mean i could have assumed you know i could have guessed that there was other media about this story but i had no idea that it was a book and i had no idea that that's what it was first because when i was a kid one of my favorite movies of all time just one of those movies that really stuck with me afterwards, really moved me, and I found myself thinking back to a lot. One of those movies was Into the Wild. It was actually directed by Sean Penn. Um, apparently, he's a little adventurer himself. But it follows the journey of this guy, Alex McCandles. He changes his name to Alex Supertramp right as he's getting accepted for Harvard Law. Now a little bit more backstory. And okay, again, this is a real story. Okay, this isn't some fucking fiction novel. This happened in 1992, Chris McCandles slash, wait. Okay, right, his name was Chris McCandles, but he changed his name not just the last name, but he changed his whole name to Alex Supertramp. Which is very interesting. I'm going to pick up the book to make sure I got that right, actually. I, I mean, I literally just read this, but... Yeah, Christopher Johnson McCandles was the guy's name. And then later on, I'm pretty sure he went as Alex Supertramp. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I had a pretty good intro going in there. I'm really high though. Basically, this real fucking guy, he went into the wilderness. But backstory to why that was strange to people, he had very wealthy parents who basically made their way up to NASA level 
and then they started their own consulting firm. So his parents are like loaded, they're very, very smart, and they did make it from the bottom. So they aren't snobby, they're just, they want their kids to have a nice life. So that was the dynamic starting. But you know, no family is perfect, so he held a lot of resentments against his parents. He, he really um, kind of saw them as this tyrannical kind of thing, like these tyrants. But he just didn't think of them as just other complicated people that, you know, had as many shortcomings and problems as he may have. So, one day, in April 1992, he disappeared off the face of the goddamn planet. And this was a lot easier in 92. He basically got in his car, drove from Atlanta to California, ditched his car because there's a flash flood and then it fucked up the car and he was impatient. So he tried to start it right away, but flooded the engine instead of letting it dry out. So then he did that so many times that he actually <laughs> fucking ran the battery out so he couldn't even start it again left his car in the middle of the desert and then just started walking and he just he just fucking went into the wild he went all over he, he fucking ended up in the colorado river he bought a kayak and kayaked into the fucking mexico and then just walked back across the border he fucking hiked part of the Pacific Crest Trail. He made it fucking everywhere. This guy seriously killed it. And he would just hitchhike around. You know, in California, there's actually a lot of stuff going on like this. There's whole camps of people just chilling out, uh, tramp camps where people are just, you know, cooking their food by the fire, singing and dancing, reading, and not living by any societal rules. They're just fucking out there. But before long, he made his way to South Dakota and he started saving up a good amount of money. So he stockpiled up and then he made his way to Alaska, which, you know, is quite a stretch, even from South Dakota. Like to fucking hitchhike all the way into Canada, through all of Canada, and then reach Alaska. It's pretty fucking impressive, actually. That is very wild. So, this guy was a smart guy, you know, and he would read up on the plants that you could eat. He read up on all that stuff. But his last stop was Alaska. He treaded out miles into the, um, it was right above Denali, so, let's see, it was in, uh, it was definitely in Carthage, wait, no, Carthage was South Dakota, so I'm getting all over the place, he was in Fairbanks, Alaska, and it was way, way fucking out there, let's see, um, the Stampede Trail, 25 miles west of Healy, where he found this bus. So he made it out to what he considered the absolute wild. And the crazy thing about it was there was still cabins nearby, but it was totally unaccessible by road. Um, 
he never saw another single soul while he was there. So he found this bus and he hunkered down and he would just hunt small game. You know, he had a 22 rifle, which if you ask me, kind of fucking dumb to just pack a 22 in Alaska. And um, he did learn his lesson the hard way. When he went back, he found that the river he originally crossed was now a raging fucking rapid Whereas when he crossed it, it was just a little tiny stream. But in the springtime, the snow all melted, and then it raised the water levels, which meant weren't, weren't not able to cross the river. And he was such a stubborn guy that he refused to even bring a map. So that was the one part where I was like, okay, bro, I mean, I don't fucking know. Like, I want to say that this story completely changed my life. Ever since I saw this as a pretty young kid, like, and I would watch it over and over again. I've watched it so many times. I literally do want to do this. This shit is fucking amazing. That's incredible. But you don't do it without a goddamn topographical map. And that's what ended in his demise. So, since he wasn't able to cross the river, he was stranded out at this bus. And before too long, he actually died. And it is speculative on how he did, because he had this plant book that he bought in Alaska, specific to the Alaskan backwoods, on what plants are edible and what aren't. But at this time in 1992, the info was basically there, but a couple key elements were missing. So he either misidentified a plant and ate a poisonous plant instead of a potato root, or he actually completely identified everything right. He wasn't even a dumbass, but the book didn't say anything about seeds. And since he ate the seeds of this potato root, that is possibly what ended up killing him. Because the poison that is in it is very minuscule, but the problem is he hadn't been eating for so long that he had no nutrients to kind of soak up the poisons and to kind of flush it out. He had no fucking food in his body. So he was not able to process the potato root seeds, and he ended up uh, dying. And that's what's interesting about the book. So the movie is very dramatic, and I will say, they kept a fucking good eye of detail on there. For a movie based on a real story, it's fucking incredible. They kept all of the cinematic epicness of a movie like that, but everything was completely factual. But it did still kind of play out, you know, in a storyline like that. And what I wasn't expecting from the book was, this is actually written by a journalist, by the original journalist that reported on the story. And he even changes his mind on a couple things during it. He fucking goes the entire route. This guy is badass. John Krakar. He goes the entire route that he did, that, that Alex Guy did. And he interviews every single person that came across his path. So that is why we have the story at all. That's why we have the movie, why we have this book, because he went and individually asked the people that had met him 
about the story. And people that only met him for, you know, a couple hours or for a day still were greatly affected by him and were really thinking about him. So, yeah, I mean, you know, like, I'm doing this book report because books are fucking good. And people don't read fucking books anymore. So read a fucking book. And if you don't know what to read, I would highly recommend this. If you're still like, man, I don't know. I don't want to fucking read. Then watch the movie. I'm serious. If you like nature, if you like some adventure, if you like some wanderlust, some road trips, some fucking awesomeness, then you need to watch this shit or else you're seriously missing out big time so i'm gonna take a fat rip and then i'm actually gonna go through the doggy ears and um there's some quotes that are highlighted in here again this is not my book so that's cool because it's um it's another person's perspective of what they found interesting i did leave one doggy ear in here too um, so yeah, we're gonna take a bottle rip. But man, seriously an epic story. And there's another way that this relates around to us in a very strange, peculiar way, which I'll get back to after this H2O break. Also, I feel like in this uncut shit, I'm literally like, this is flowing better than if I wrote this. But then, if I didn't like really think that this was uncut, if I thought, oh, I'll still edit it later, then there still would have been so many more pauses and shit. But it's just, I don't know. I comment on this shit every time. People are probably like, okay, bro, whatever. But uncut content, that is. And, uh... Yeah, you know, like, I am gonna start, not start, but you know, like, I'm gonna focus all of my attention and, like, marketing, this is just my middle finger, my, like, marketing energy into, uh, Stoned Alone, because, you know, it's been going for a while, it's a little bit established, I could probably get, um, you know, some more interesting ideas on there, think it out, really push it out, and then for the content that I just sit down and get fucking high and chill with you guys with we got this whole fucking every wednesday okay okay that's enough of talking about that I just, okay i'm gonna rip this i appreciate you for being here i hope you like this video So it literally is Wednesday right now, so I'm going to have to post this immediately after this. Because last week, it was like, I had to shoot that commercial in 48 hours. I got it done literally in the 48th hour, like right at on time. And then I was like, oh shit, I still have to edit like three hours of TV time. So that's why that was a couple days late, because I was like, I'm just going to wait for that one 
But yeah, let's get into this. And, you know, I mean, I'm not going to get too into this. I don't know. Well, it's definitely tea. Like, I don't even know what to say about it. But this room right here, we had another guy in the house, Matt, who was helping Aaron with editing. And he actually literally did this. Um, and that was the one thing I didn't get. Because in the book, people are highly critical of the guy. A lot of people are talking shit on him. And one thing that really was not cool was he never talked to his family that whole time. And um, I did actually understand that perspective before. Like, it does sound very romantic. Like, leave fucking everything. Don't ever talk to anyone ever again. Just never have to see it anyone else but the book describes it as in like running away from your problems and like not having to deal with that and it very much is like that because um again that sounds romantic but it's a little bit of a you know just like hit and run so while i'm all about going off the grid and I would love to live a life of nature. First off, I would like to acquire the skills first and the gear because it's unfortunate that he died like that. And that's the thing, like, literally he had a good rifle at the beginning of this, but he just moved around too much. So he didn't have it by the time he was in Alaska. And, you know, people have their opinions on hunting. But if you're doing this shit, you do have to be able to have, like... A big-ass rifle. You don't want to just be using a 22. He was literally getting squirrels and stuff. And the squirrels just weren't enough nutrition. Um. Anyways. So, yeah, like, the person that was living in this room. And thanks to Matt, because this is a lit space to film this in right now. I'm just leaving this stuff set up until Aaron tells me to take it down. But, um... You know, he did that, and for the first time I understood the perspective of the other side. Like, we just walk home, and he was literally just gone. Like, we walk in this room, and his shit's just, like, cleared out. And there's just, his stuff's out of the bathroom. It's just like, what? Didn't even, like, say bye or anything. Just fucking disappeared. He deleted all of his social media accounts. It's like, that is, uh, very strange. Very well. So again, I mean, I don't know. I do want to live a life like that. But, I mean, that takes a lot of preparation. So, I'm thinking of it as like, like, decades of preparation. But again, I would definitely like to just fucking roam the earth. Oh man, that's so sick. So I'm gonna go through some, okay, perfect. Got a perfect quote right here. He met this old guy who, man, he had a tragic story. He, like, fought in the war. I don't remember the details, but just, like, all of his daughters died. Like, his wife died. It was really sad. And he was just living alone in this house, basically. And he, uh, he would give this guy some rides because he noticed him. And he was, like, you know, bored and would talk to him and cook up some chili and they'd chill and stuff. And then one day... Alex urges him to leave his life trapped away in that sad house and to just hit the road. He says, the joy of life comes from our encounters 
with new experiences, and hence, there is no greater joy than to have an endlessly changing horizon, for each day to have a new and different sun. If you want to get more out of life, Ron, Ron, you must lose your inclination for monotonous security and adopt a helter-skelter style of life that will first appear to you to be crazy. But once you become accustomed to such a life, you'll see its full meaning and its incredible beauty. God damn. What a fucking book. And this guy is crazy, too. The, the guy that wrote this, he actually has a chapter on his own experience where he loved mountains. And he always imagined, oh, man, I'm going to fucking slip and slope down these mountains. I'm going to ski down these fucking things. And he was living actually here in Colorado. And one day he's like, you know what, man, fuck this. I'm going to go chase something way more. So he goes all the way to Alaska. He gets to one of the biggest mountains and then he climbs the fucking thing. But the thing is, it gets really dangerous. Like he gets snowed in. He's basically trapped on there for like weeks, <laughs> like literally in a small little tent. He's on a mountain for weeks. And he even says at one point he like smokes a joint. But then when he smokes the joint, he accidentally fucking burns part of the tent. So like part of the tent is flapping open on the side of a mountain and is blizzarding. And he gets to the top, but it's like the rocks are like falling down. Like he literally almost dies multiple times. And he says there's a lot of dangerous shit and he could have really gotten, he could have just died and he could have just never been alive again. So he said that it seemed like a great fantasy but he wasn't even um, glamorizing it. He was like, yeah, no. Man, I just want to fucking live. Like, I don't want to fucking die, man. So, yeah, very interesting stuff. Here's a quote from Theodore Rozak, who um, apparently wrote In Search of the Miraculous. So, it may, after all, be a bad habit of creative talents to invest themselves in pathological extremes that yield remarkable insights, but no durable way of life for those who cannot translate their psychic wounds into significant art or thought. God damn, that's so well put. And I feel like that's a very hard thing as creatives. Because even when you receive remarkable insights, unless you can share it in a way that is applicable to a normal life, then you're just kind of like spewing shit at people. So it's saying that it may be a bad habit for creatives to do that. Maybe a bad habit for creative talents to invest themselves in pathological extremes. So pathological extremes such as I mean, I'm into a lot of this shit too, but you know, it, it can be ridiculous. Like, you know, the super cold showers, like um, waking up super early, pathological extremes. And they do yield remarkable insights, but there's no durable way of life for those who cannot translate their psychic wounds into significant art or thought. That's very interesting. So these yield a lot of insights, 
But if you're not someone who translates your psychic wounds into art, then it's kind of useless, these insights, because it's not even, you know, it might just be a bad habit. So fucking interesting. I, um, this book was, came into my life at perfect timing. Because I've always been into this stuff, but you can't over-glamorize anything. Because nothing is, you know, what glitter ain't gold. So, why did I bookmark this year? Let's see. Uh... Huh. So this is a story about a guy who in about 1930 just wandered into the desert and was never found again. No trace of him ever, no footsteps or anything. He, the last of his letters said, I have been thinking more and more that I shall always be a lone wanderer of the wilderness. God, how the trail lures me. You cannot comprehend its resistless fascination for me. After all, the lone trail is the best. I'll never stop wandering. And when the time comes to die, I'll find the wildest, the loneliest, most desolate spot there is. Oof. You and me both, Everett. The beauty of this country is becoming part of me. I feel more detached from life and somehow gentler. I have some good friends here, but no one who really understands why I'm here or what I do. I don't know of anyone, though, who would have more than a part... Partial understanding. I have gone too far alone. I've always been unsatisfied with life as most people live it. Always, I want to live more intensely and richly. Very interesting. And then, what is the next one? I think there's only a couple earmarks left. This one is by Estwick Evans. A who wrote a pedestrian tour of 4,000 miles through the Western states and territories during the winter and spring of 1818. Estwick said, I wished to acquire the simplicity, native feelings, and virtues of savage life, to divest myself of the facades. What the? Okay, 1800s writing. What the fact? Okay. That's not that hard. I was, just, I was just really hard. So, let me get hydrated first. Okay. I wish to acquire simplicity and native feelings and virtues of savage life to divest myself of the factitious habits, prejudices, and imperfections of civilization and to find amidst the solitude and grandeur of the Western wilds, more correct views of human nature and of the true interests of man. The seasons of snow was preferred, that I might experience the pleasure of suffering and the novelty of danger. Whew. Man. People can... People can fucking write. That is... Wilderness appear okay. <clears throat> Wilderness appealed 
to those bored or disgusted with man and his works. Amen. It not only offered an escape from society, but also was an ideal stage for the romantic individual to exercise the cult that he frequently made of his own soul. The solitude and total freedom of the wilderness created a perfect setting for either their mel melancholy or exultation. Man. Whew. I gotta fucking start writing. I'm like... I try to fucking say that. I'm like, oh, it's lit out there, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go into nature. It's lit. That, that's a good one. Because nature really is the solitude of total... The solitude and total freedom of the wilderness created a perfect setting for either melancholy or exaltation. I mean, that shit's good. Alright, last one. And this is on the last couple pages here. Still, the last sad memory hovers round and sometimes drifts across like a floating mist, cutting off sunshine and chilling the remembrance of happier times. There have been joys too great to be described in words, and there have been griefs upon which I have not dared to dwell. And with these in mind, I say, climb if you will, but remember that courage and strength are now without prudence and that a momentary negligence may destroy the happiness of a lifetime. Do nothing in haste. Look well to each step. And from the beginning, think what may be the end. That was Edward Wimper, who wrote Scrambles Across the Alps. Imagine scrambling across the Alps. Alright. Very last one. We sleep to time's hurdy-gurdy. We wake, if we ever wake, to the silence of God. And then, when we wake to the deep shores of time uncreated, then when the dazzling dark breaks over the far slopes of time, then it's time to toss things, like our reason and our will. Then it's time to break our necks for home. There are no events, but thoughts, and the heart's hard turning, the heart's slow learning, where to love and whom. The rest is merely gossip, and tales for other times. Woo! That was Annie Dillard. Dillard. Holy the firm. Well... I would like to thank you for joining along on Timmy Time today. Remember, you can always find the audio of this on any podcasting platform that you prefer. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, Anchor, Mic Drop. <laughs> I really appreciate you for joining along. That was a good one. I would like to do more like that. And um, yeah, I'm reading The Razor's Edge right now. Fantastic book. That is what's going to be next month. Look forward to that. And Timmy Time every Wednesday.
Now peacing out. Remember, also gonna be a new upload on Stoned Alone. So look forward to that. Been working on that one. Been, been kind of basking on the idea, simmering in it, thinking about it. So I hope you enjoy it. Is Timmy's hand. 